Hello, Church, and welcome to this uh, next installment of uh, this Lenten endeavor. Uh, it is my prayer that uh, the Lord would both bless and challenge you as we prepare to move into Holy Week. Amen. And uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, this week we're going to be reading Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, as uh, we prepare for Palm Sunday. And it starts by saying, When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him followed and were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is a word of God for you, the people of God. Praise be to God. Christ rides into Jerusalem. He rides into our Jerusalem, knowing our hearts that we don't want him there. Knowing that we have a cross waiting for him. Jerusalem is our fear that tells us to hide from God, as did Adam and Eve. Jerusalem is our selfishness that isolates us from finding true peace in God's presence. Jerusalem is our propensity toward violence, that we believe the only way to truly prosper is violence cloaked as security. Jerusalem is our small and narrow-mindedness, that we claim to know God's ways and yet live by our own. Jerusalem is our sinfulness. In the midst of our Jerusalem, Christ rides in to be king of our lives, to show us a different way, to show us God's way. Christ rides into Jerusalem to truly save us, but this is not the king we want or the king we desire. This is not a happy and joyous day for Jesus. He sees the crowds lined up celebrating as he rides in, but he knows their hearts. They, they foolishly shout Hosanna as a celebratory victory cry, as if they were shouting for their favorite sports team or pining for their favorite celebrity. One Bible translates this as hooray, hooray. But if they knew the deep meaning of the word, they wouldn't have been celebrating. 
they would have been weeping as Jesus wept for Jerusalem. Hosanna is a cry of desperation. It's a desperate cry to God to save us now. But the people view Jesus as some kind of hero who had come to lead them in a political and violent revolution. You see, they wanted to be saved, only they wanted to be saved on their own terms. And by the end of the week, the people realized that Jesus did not meet their violent expectations. They didn't want love. They wanted life through violence on their terms. And so the crowds who cried out, Hosanna, save us. At the end of the week, they would be crying out, crucify him. It's interesting that from the time of Christ to the destruction and of the temple, it's about 40 years, there were many who claimed to be Messiah and picked up the calls of the rebellion to overthrow their Roman landlords. All of them were put down violently. And the most popular was uh, in 70 AD, of course, when the temple itself was destroyed. By 135 AD, Roman Emperor Hadrian, um, tired of these rebellious Jews, permanently exiled the Jews from Jerusalem. They were allowed to uh, visit once a year uh, to weep over what they had lost. There would not be another Jewish homeland for over 1,800 years. Their violence gained them nothing and cost many of them their lives, as Hadrian had many of them killed or enslaved, and the rest were forced into exile. And even though that Jesus did not conquer Rome on the people's violent terms, I would argue that Jesus did indeed conquer Rome. After his death and resurrection, people began to meet in their homes to worship and to live their lives according to Christ's teaching. And the church grew and grew, even amongst persecution. And in the early 4th century, Roman Emperor Constantine became a Christian. And by the end of the 4th century, Christianity would be the religion of the empire. And not that we Protestants like to admit it, but to this day, when you mention Christianity, around the world, people will also refer to Rome. Christ conquered Rome on his own terms, through the cross and an empty tomb. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the people were disturbed. The literal Greek for the people's response to Jesus was uh, that they were literally shaken like an earthquake. Because our Jerusalem will crumble under the rule of this king, and he will build up a new city, a new Jerusalem. But as, as he rode in, people were asking, who is this Jesus character? That's a question that we're still asking to this very day. And to be sure, we have our textbook answers ready and waiting when someone pops a question. But have we really taken the time to explore the question on our own? Have we ever asked Jesus point blank, who are you? And there are many answers. We will give him the title Lord, 
And for the most part, this is simple lip service. Uh, for much of the church, Jesus is Lord is just another title. It's religious happy talk. But to actually say Jesus is Lord means you are his servant. It means that your life is now devoted to his cause and to his purpose. And we will gladly stand up in a sanctuary and shout loudly that Jesus is Lord. But the moment we're outside in the parking lot where that confession really means something, we seem to keep it to ourselves because we don't want to be placed in the same category as those religious fanatics who are here in the South, uh, the Holy Rollers. We, along with the crowds in Jerusalem, say that Jesus is a prophet. Well, this is nothing more than saying that Jesus is a good teacher. He was a good person. Maybe he was the greatest teacher and greatest person ever to live. <clears throat> and people will say this... Uh, well, they've never really read his teaching or really misunderstand Jesus on every level imaginable. Uh, the truth is, uh, we treat his teaching like some kind of religious buffet. We love to repeat things like love God and love neighbor while completely ignoring Jesus when he says other things like love your enemies. We love positions of power, but we ignore Jesus when he taught us to serve, that if we wanted to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, then we would have to be the greatest servant. The first will be last, and the last will be first. We have been taught, and we teach our children and our grandchildren, if you want to get along, then you have to go along. But Jesus flips over the tables of how we do business. He upset the money changers and the merchants. He challenged authority and dared to hold them accountable to God's commandments. He challenged our presuppositions of God, faith, and how we live life. And for many, if we took time to actually read the Gospels and ask, what does this mean for my life? We would run out of the church screaming, who is this? But for most, we are content simply to call him Savior as in going to heaven when we punch that eternal time clock. Not once, not once, did Jesus ever ask us to sit around and wait on heaven. He understood his work to be life-transforming right now. The Gospels are filled with people who encountered Jesus in such a way that it was um, life-altering, life-changing, life-transforming. They were so changed, like the blind man in John 9, that his own neighbors no longer recognized him. Zacchaeus was so changed by Jesus, he was willing to pay back all he had cheated and give away half his money. He was so changed, it affected his wallet. For Jesus, the life he offered was not something in the future, but it was to be a present reality, something lived now. Who is this? It is Jesus, the Christ of God, the one who rides into Jerusalem because he wants you to have this life. Who is this? 
It's Jesus, the friend of sinners, asking us to be real with ourselves. Who is this? It's Jesus, the King, the one who is able to save us in every way possible. Jesus rides into our Jerusalem, and we have a cross prepared for him. But God has other plans. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.